Oncology Data Advisor. In this interview, Lily Shockney, Professor of Surgery at Johns Hopkins University, will be discussing the surgical treatment of patients with breast cancer. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So what are the types of surgeries that are done today to treat breast cancer? So the most common surgeries are lumpectomy, which is the removal of the tumor with a healthy margin of tissue around it. So we have some degree of insurance that we've gotten all of the tumor out. The other is doing a mastectomy, which is gonna be the removal of the breast tissue. Uh, sometimes it is done removing uh, most of the skin as well, but more and more today, when mastectomies are done, it is also done with breast reconstruction, which means that um, if the tumor is far enough away from the skin of the breast and far enough away from the nipple and the areola uh, space underneath of those structures, then the uh, surgeon can literally hollow out the breast and then fill it with the help of usually a plastic surgeon, a breast reconstruction surgeon, with something healthy. That could be an implant or that could be fatty tissue from elsewhere in her body. Uh, tummy fat is the most popular when it comes to autologous tissue transfer. Buttocks fat is second most popular. And then inner thigh fat is also popular. The body does not reject having this fat transferred from those locations and now put to fill where the breast tissue was because it is her own body's tissue. Uh, I have had uh, more times than I can count. I've had strangers call me and say, my neighbor has breast cancer. Uh, she's coming to Johns Hopkins. Uh, she told me she's going to have a mastectomy. She would like to do flap reconstruction. I would like to donate my abdominal fat to her. And I have to say, well, thank you very much, but no, you can't do that because it has to be her DNA. So the only time we can use someone else's is if she is an identical twin. And we have transferred from an identical twin, her body fat and put it in her identical twin sister um, who's having a mastectomy with fat reconstruction. Um, <clears throat> the original form of fat reconstruction was called tram flap, taking not just the abdominal fat, but also the muscle of the abdomen and the blood supply, severing it, cutting it, and turning that abdominal fat and that muscle and the blood supply and tunneling it up to then land up here on her chest. That was good for a starter, shall we say. However, Women should be, if they're still getting that procedure done, which I consider to be very old fashioned now, if they're still having that procedure done today, they should be told that they cannot lift more than 20 pounds for the rest of their life because they don't have abdominal muscles to prevent herniation. And within a year, approximately 28% of women do have an abdominal hernia from having forgotten and lifted something. 20 pounds isn't that much, it's a toddler. She picked up her grandson. Um, why would we want to take that away from her? So today, and for Johns Hopkins, we started doing these in 1997, but they actually began in Brussels. Um, 
in Belgium, in case you're on Jeopardy tonight and they have a breast reconstruction column, you'll have the answers to this. And the newer and we think better method of doing it is called a deep flap, deep inferior epigastric perforator, where we take the abdominal fat, but no muscle. The muscle is not taken at all, nor is that blood supply severed either. What we do instead is that we cut the abdominal fat free from her body and use tiny perforator vessels, which are the size of pencil lead. Picture how tiny that is. And we connect those to the perforators that are resting on her chest wall where her breast tissue was removed. And now she has this hollowed out breast skin and they reconnect them. They reanastomose them, which is amazing to be able to stitch around something that's just two millimeters in diameter. And that provides the blood supply. And very quickly, within literally a matter of days, um, that new, newly created breast with those tiny little perforators, um, the body starts growing more perforators on its own very quickly. So she has a flat tummy. Uh, it results in a free tummy tuck. Any tummy fat that they didn't need is tossed. So they just don't take, you know, we just need this much. So we'll leave the rest on her abdomen. It's a full tummy tuck. And she does not have lifting restrictions because her muscles are still intact. Um, and I think that's pretty, pretty super. And I've had that procedure done. And it was one of the best things I ever did for myself. It was done 10 years after my second mastectomy. Um, when I was medically cleared to be able to do reconstruction. And like I say, it was one of the best decisions I ever ever made uh, for myself. I, I would do it again in a heartbeat. And I think if more women were aware of what skin sparing, nipple and areola sparing mastectomy with reconstruction looked like, they would fear this disease less. We still have grandmothers and great-grandmothers out there who had the total radical mastectomy done in their youth, which was a very debilitating operation. We removed the entire breast and the skin up to the clavicle and down to below the bandeau. We also removed both chest muscles. Some women also had ribs removed. They removed all of the lymph nodes under her arm right down to her lung. Uh, not unusual to also remove them part of the way down her arm. So 100% of these women got lymphedema. This arm wasn't going to function anymore because of not having a, an intact lymphatic system. And we had to take skin from her back to graft to close her chest wound. It was unbelievable. I was a student nurse when we were still doing these. 50 years ago, and it, it was horrific. As long as, as long as there are women alive today that have seen that image, then we're still gonna have women that are gonna fear this disease because they're going to assume, I'm gonna look like my grandmother, I'm gonna look like my great-grandmother, when um, that's not the case anymore, thank heavens. So why are lymph nodes usually sampled when breast cancer surgery is done? So when we're doing surgery, whether that be a lumpectomy or a mastectomy, we need to know whether or not the cancer has traveled beyond the breast. 
it uses two ways to get there. One is the lymphatic system traveling through the lymph nodes. The other is the bloodstream traveling through the vascular system. One of the things that the pathologist, that breast pathologist, is going to be paying attention to in the biopsy specimen and also in the surgical specimen is whether or not there was any lymphatic invasion or vascular invasion. Did, did he or she actually see in the tumor itself a sign that there were lymphatic vessels present or blood vessels present? And it oftentimes there are. So we need to see then, well, how far did this breast cancer get? And though an ultrasound may have been done of the armpit area to take a look at her lymph nodes before her surgery and we didn't see anything, we can't see disease that is microscopic. Only a pathologist can by using that powerful microscope. So whether it be lumpectomy or mastectomy for invasive disease, the breast is injected with either a radioactive isotope or a special blue dye. And in some cases, a surgeon will prefer to use actually both. And they wait to see if the blue dye, when it travels from the breast where that tumor was to the lymph nodes, or when that radioactive isotope travels from that breast tumor up to the lymph nodes, whether there is a, uh, in the operating room, the surgeon uses a Geiger counter and holds it up to the armpit, right? Makes a small incision there, holds it up to the armpit. And the first node that goes, duh, 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 that is the sentinel node, also known as the guard node. That's also the first node that's going to turn blue if the surgeon chose to use the blue dye. That node is removed because if cancer were to have traveled to the lymphatic system, it's gotta go through that node first. Now, we've been doing sentinel node biopsies since about 1995 or 96. Prior to that, we still were removing all of the lymph nodes because we didn't know which one it went to first. This is wonderful news for women because women that participated in those clinical trials of having a node removed compared to all their nodes removed, um, that's why we're able to do this today. It dramatically reduces the risk of getting lymphedema, dramatically. So if we don't see any cancer in that sentinel node, we can feel relatively sure that this cancer has not spread from the breast onto other organs. It's a little trickier though to figure out, did it use the bloodstream? We're not sure. If we see that it had vascular invasion in the tumor itself, in that breast, we're going to worry about that some. And that's going to up the odds of a doctor saying, I want to do more treatment. I probably do want to do chemotherapy. I want to also may, may want to do hormonal therapy and other systemic therapies to treat the entire body. Just in case some rogue cells traveled somewhere and set up a little home in her bones, in her liver, in her lungs, uh, the most common areas where breast cancer will will spread. So what is a prophylactic mastectomy and when is this procedure recommended? 
So prophylactic mastectomy, also known as a preventative mastectomy, is the removal of the breast, but most of the time today, it will be done as a skin sparing mastectomy, keeping all of the outer skin of the breast, uh, also saving the nipple and the areola, and then filling it with something healthy, an implant or body fat. And this is usually done when we learn that a patient who does not have breast cancer, uh, but does carry a breast cancer gene mutation, and therefore is at considerably high risk of developing breast cancer in her future. We also will do preventative mastectomies of the opposite breast at the request of a patient. A patient may say, I know my breast cancer is only in my left breast, but I also want to have the right breast have a mastectomy as well. And she may want to do that because she wants to ensure symmetry that they match. She may want to do it because she never wants to get a mammogram again because she's frightened of PTSD, quite frankly, which certainly does happen. That fear factor, you, you've had breast cancer once, now you're going to go back in that mammography room and it just the anxiety is too much for for some women to to want to deal with for the next few decades. And then other times it is because uh, the patient had a biopsy done on her breast and it did not show breast cancer, but it showed atypical cells, cells that are one stage away from becoming breast cancer becoming non-invasive breast cancer, and even a further stage before it becomes invasive breast cancer. If women say, I don't wanna deal with chronically having biopsies, chronically having mammograms done several times a year, um, this is just more than I can deal with, then we will also um, discuss with her, does she want to do preventative uh, prophylactic mastectomies? I always want to make sure that the patient is doing this for the right reason, for an accurate reason. And I'll give you an example. A patient may be needing to do a mastectomy on this side because their tumor is pretty big. And to do a lumpectomy, she would have such a small amount of breast tissue left. It would be a very distorted looking breast. She would not be happy with the way this looks. Sometimes women will say, I want my other breast off too. Or you told me I could have a lumpectomy because this is a small tumor, but I want a mastectomy. Okay, tell me why. Why do you want this? Because I don't want chemotherapy. Oops, that's not the trade. If she needs a mastectomy, is because of the tumor size or having multiple breast cancers in that breast. And it has nothing to do with needing systemic treatment for her cancer. So I give them an analogy of a dandelion in their front yard. We can dig up the dandelion and dig up the root system with some healthy soil around it. That's a lumpectomy. We can dig up your whole front yard to get rid of that dandelion. That's a mastectomy. Whether any seeds blew away from that dandelion and landed in your backyard determines whether or not we think you need weed killer for your lawn. And that's going to be chemotherapy. 
So it, it would be terrible to do such surgery and then a patient to say later, well, I'm not getting chemotherapy because I did a mastectomy or I did two mastectomies, so I don't have to have chemotherapy. So you've got to make sure that their reasoning why they want to pursue mastectomy is based on something that makes sense and not something inaccurate or assumed, where there's going to be tremendous disappointment later, which is impossible to correct. Thank you for listening to Oncology Data Advisor. Be sure to check back throughout Breast Cancer Awareness Month for more of this exclusive interview series, all found at oncdata.com.